Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Susan Wingate. I am your host for Dialogue Between the Lines, where we talk about fiction, fiction, fiction every week on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and that would be 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's been a really fun and wild, windy time here in the Pacific Northwest on the island, and I'm just loving life and living large. And um, for your information, um, we'll have T.J. Boyer on, but I uh, just wanted to toot my own horn for a little bit. I've got uh, several books up for sale. You can find all of my free books on my free books page on SusanWingate.com. Several books last week went to number two bestseller, which was awesome. Uh, The Deer Effect hit uh, number two bestseller. The the Bobby's Diner hit uh, uh, number two bestseller, as did uh, Sacrifice at Sea, and The Last Maharajan, which is a revamping of Drowning, which was an award winner in 2011 for the Forward National Literature Award in the category of family drama. So um, so check out my books on SusanWingate.com. But um, what we do here on Dialogue is every week we have a new author and we talk about their books. And today we've got T.J. Boyer on. And T.J. Boyer is a returning guest and he writes epic fantasy adventures that span the universe and across time. Um, he has been writing and telling stories since he was in his teens, and he has been told often what a great storyteller he is and has several books published. I think he has, um, he's written something like 15 books, and his latest novel is called Missing, and I believe that is part of the Mirrorgate Chronicles. Um, he loves to read and write and watch sci-fi movies, um, and uh, he would love, of course, like all authors, would love to see their stories made into movies. He's been told that by many of his uh, fans that it would be a great hit, and he's not going to argue with that. I mean, who would? Um, he, his writing is very similar to Marion Zimmer Bradley, and his, one of his favorite novelists when he was young was, is, was uh, Robert E. Howard, who wrote Conan the Bet. The Barbarian, so um, that would influence his work as well. His website is the is Mirrorgate Chronicle, and www.mirrorgatechronicle.com, and you can find T.J. Boyer on Amazon, where all of his books are available, and Barnes and Noble, and on Facebook, where you can find him as well. T.J. Boyer, welcome to the show again. Thank you, Susan. Glad to be and here. So- it's great to hear your voice. Um, it, for those of you that don't know, um, I, I think it was back in July. I can't remember. Back in July, was it, the, your previous show? Yes, back something in July. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And um, and where I outed T.J. Boyer as my brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you yeah, we have a writerly family, don't we? Dad was a was a writer, and I'm finding out from going through some of my mom's stuff that she had over here at our house um, before she passed away. She wrote too. I didn't know that. And you're a writer. You were one of my biggest influences to start writing in the first place, as was my dad. But um, mom was a writer too. Isn't that interesting to find out? 
That is interesting. Well, she she yeah. was really artistic. Everything she did was very artistic. Let's talk about oh, your yeah. latest book, though, um, uh, Missing. Now, okay, we've got your Mirrorgate Chronicles. Um, tell tell the readers or the readers the listeners what uh, the Mirrorgate Chronicle is about and how Missing works in with that. Okay, well, the Mirrorgate Chronicles uh, talks about a young man who gets rescued by a dragon and is raised by what, you know, humans, those of us who, you know, live here on Earth, would consider mythical creatures. And he grows up and he becomes a wizard and he deals in magic and science and stuff like that. And he travels to other worlds helping those in need. And the latest adventure, uh, as Susan said, the original title to the show or the book was called Missing. And I've gotten several feedbacks from people who have read, you know, helped proofread the, the book. And they're saying Missing sounds good. And they think it should be called Vanish. So I'm in the process of trying to figure out if I should keep the name Missing or if I should change it to Vanished because that's what happens with uh, my main character, Shamit. He's in the process of doing to saving a world, and he comes up missing. And when he awakens, he finds out that he is on Earth in 20, 2009. And... That's way on the other side of the known universe, galaxy, whatever you want to call it. And he's trying to find his way home. And it deals with his struggles of living on a world who doesn't believe in with dealing with people who don't believe in dragons, wizards, and stuff like that. So he's, you know, he's caught in a dilemma, you know. And uh, it's it's got some ups and downs and some adventures, and it's got some twists and turns. And so far, the people who've read some of it, uh, they're just like, what happens next? You know, they're just, you know, excited. And we finally finished the story, and we sent it to uh, a person who's reading it and doing a final proofread. And once we get that back, we're going to put it up and put it out on uh, Amazon for people to read, and then we're going to get it in print. We're going to take it to the Phoenix Comic Con in um, June or um, oh, wow. May. Sorry, it's coming up that fast. It's only three months away. Yes. Yes. Now, and, what? Uh, when? Where is it? Is it going to be at the Civic Center in Phoenix? It's uh, downtown Phoenix, and it's uh, it goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Thursdays are. The short day usually starts like at 5 to 9, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it goes from like uh, 9 to 10 to 7 at night. And um, wow. it's a lot of fun. You know, they got they got people dressed in costumes, and uh, there's previews of movies coming out, and they got a lot of stars and stuff like that. It's uh, It's... A great event. You know, a lot of people go there. A lot of people from all over the, you know, country come and go, and it's a yeah. it's a good good thing. And I've been there for now seven years. You know, selling my books. When I first went, I only had uh, 
two books. And, um, and now, those titles are uh, the, the Quest and the Quest. Uh, the, uh, the yeah, <laughs> it's the Quest, the Rescue, the Search, and um, yeah, you got the Rescue and the Reluctant King, the okay. Quest. The journey, it goes the quest, the journey, the rescue, and then uh, the reluctant king, and then book six is invasion. And then, and then uh, seven, seven will be either titled Missing or Vanish. Now, I want correct. to ask you about um, your main character, Shaman. Um, so he's, okay, let's, so fast forward, he's in, you you write like obsessively. I mean, it's amazing how much writing you do um, any given day, which is really great. And I think it's a real um, it's commendable to anybody who wants to write, who is listening to the show right now and feels like they would really love to to write a novel. Um, uh, and, but you know, you need to write, and you write all the time. You're very prolific. Um, that being said, your story. Um, with Shaman in it, the the this, and we're I'm just going to call it missing right now. Um, missing, he's now thrown back in time to 2009, correct? And correct. Um, and so he's uh, and he's in this world, like you said, that doesn't believe in that in in mysticisms and dragons and and creatures of of uh, mythical worlds and. Um, they believe in, you know, the Internet and <laughs> and that sort right. of thing. Um, and so he has he's going to be bumping into, I'm sure, a bunch of people that um, will be, uh, you know, a, a pr- prove an external uh, conflict against him finding his way back. And, and so basically what he's looking for, I mean, it's not a giveaway, it's not a spoiler, is the... Mirror Gate, is that correct? Tell us how how you came up with the um, title of the series, The Mirror Gate Chronicles. Well, that was kind of funny because you know I the the main gist of the story was the my characters would travel through what is considered a, a giant mirror, and so I was at work one day and I was talking to my coworkers, you know, about the story, and they, you know were very helpful in a lot of the character building and because during lunch we would sit there and I would tell them what I wrote and they'd give me some ideas and I would tweak it and, you know, because both of them played Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, they they knew about a lot of this role-playing and everything. So we they helped me build the characters. And so one day I was sitting there trying to figure out a title for the, the stories. And, you know, and I'd basically written two stories two books, but I never really knew what to call them, you know, the main thing. I was just going to call it, you know, Shamit the Wizard and then Rescue and Quest, but I wasn't going to, I didn't know what to call the series. And so they looked at me and said, well, it's dealing with a mirror, so why don't you call it like uh, uh, the Mirror Gate? And another, you know, they said, well, why not the Mirror Gate Chronicles or the Mirgate series, you know, and so I thought thought about it, and I thought I came to the conclusion that the Mirgate Chronicles had a better flow, and um, it it 
So that's what we I stuck with. And Elizabeth looked looked at it and she goes, "Yeah, the Mirror Gate Chronicles makes more sense because everything pretty much deals around the mirror, sort of. You know, I mean, it, right. it's the background, but it's the gist of how he travels from world to world and everything." So, uh, tell us who who is Elizabeth? <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth is my wife and my number one editor. She she is the person who I write the stories and I hand them off to her and she takes it and rereads it and fixes the grammar and the spelling and stuff like that and gives and puts in her viewpoints on how the story should go. And uh, then she gives it back to me, and I fix it, and then we get together, and then we verbally read the story. You know, we sit in front of the computer, and we start reading it out loud to each other. And as we go, we stop and go, okay, that doesn't sound right. Let's change it. Or because the stories are in my head and I hear the voices, I go, okay, no, that's wrong. I meant to say this, and so then we change it. And then... wow. That once we go through the verbal confirmation of the story and we get it through, that's when we take it and we hand it off to a third party, who is a friend of ours, who and she's you know very good at English words and stuff like that. She takes it and she just tears it apart, and then we get it back and we fix it, and then we'll go through the verbal reading of it again for the final, you know, process and everything. And uh, we've only done the verbal reading for the past two books. So the first two books she would write, I would write, and then we'd say, okay, yes, it's done. Let's just send it to print. So we're thinking about going back and uh, reading out loud the first set of books and redoing them because, you know, make it look and sound better. Wow. But, uh, See, yeah. and you know what? People don't realize, you know, it weren't, when when you, I mean, some people, I shouldn't say that, um, but people that are, might be entertaining the thought of writing a book don't understand how much work it is. I mean, it's truly tons of work. Not only are you sitting there, you know, and the, of course the writing part is the most exhilarating and fun because that's where the creativity comes. That's where all of the ideas flow out of your fingertips. And then you go through it and you read it and you tweak it and you edit. And I think that's where we, the story becomes beautiful, where it, we, it really just blasts open and, and becomes a, a bigger story. I think when we are doing the initial first draft, the story um, can read almost flat, but, um, but it might flow. It might be just fine. But during the editing phase, like you're saying, when you do it with Liz, my and Elizabeth not only is his wife and fabulous editor, but she's my sister. So when Liz does your edit and and you guys go through this reading, that's where it blows open. And uh, and then you have to take it. You have to take it and have somebody else proofread it. And then you have to um, uh, you have to get it. You know. Uh, done again then you go through it again and you 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 know make the corrections for the proofreading what the proofreader does and then you have to go through it again to make sure that the the changes that you've made didn't mess something up because it can happen um so it's you're going through your book uh if you went bare bones you're going through your book once to write it once to do the initial um copy content edit 
once to proofread it and then another time to proofread it. So at the bare bones level, you're going through it four times. But the, I think what you guys are doing is going through it much more, much many more times than, than, yeah. um, than just four. We're, we're, like we're on what's times. called the sixth rev where, you know, we've, the final version is what we call number six. This is oh, our you do six. Sixth. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah, and uh, what was funny is on number four, we got to a section of the story and we went, okay, this is good information, but it really doesn't fit, and basically it's it's filler that isn't going to build any meat for the story, so let's just cut it out. So we basically took out like five pages of the book, yeah, of the story, and. We took it out, and of course good? I didn't just, yeah, you know, and I didn't delete it. I just put it off to the, you know, I, I, because you're sure. on a computer, so I just, you know, cut it and suck it in another section. And it, the story flows much better without that in there. And um, so it's, yeah, it, it takes a while, you know, and a lot of people go, well, it should only take you like 30, 40 days to write it, you know. It's like my first story. It took me uh, 30 days to write it. Well, then it took me a year to actually get it into print because yeah. of the editing and making sure that it actually flowed because when I first wrote it and then you tried to read it, it was like, okay, you're jumping around too much and you're yeah. going here and doing there. And so, you know, you got to get it so it flows. And so people don't start reading and going, I have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. I do the same thing. I, 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 but my book, it sounds like you cut, you write tons. You write like, you write, you probably overwrite and then you cut back. I underwrite and then I add. And I've talked to, you know, it's all over the board. I've talked to so many people and they do one or the other. And then, you know, and then there's always a pants or an outline or what are you? Are you uh, somebody that writes by the seat of their pants or do you outline your ideas? And then, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I, I come up like with the, the this latest one, you know, with Shaman here on Earth. I actually started writing this in two thousand five. Okay. And yeah. I was I came up with it when I had started you know, first working on the first three books and I thought, Okay, so now I've got these first three books, let's take them to Earth. So I started writing it and I kinda had an outline, you know, I, I and it was the first story that I'd ever tried to do an outline with and so I was like okay I'm going to do this and this and then of course I had to stop writing that because I had you know readers come back and say well tell us more about this character and this character so that's when my other books came and so this was put off to the side and I decided okay so I've done that now I'm back here I'm going to finish this story because to me it's a crucial point in the life of Shamit. And so I went back into it, and I started writing, and that's when I says, okay, so I know how it's, I already knew the ending. I already had the ending written. You know, the ending was there, yeah. and Elizabeth read it, and she goes, oh, that's going to be cool. So I had that, and then I even had the beginning. I just had to fill everything in. So I'm sitting here writing, and it was literally on the seat of my pants. I'd be just writing and going, okay, well, now let's do this. And then I had to do a lot of research because, you know, when you're writing a story about someone on another world, 
you can make anything up. You know, he, he crossed Jones Street. Okay, you don't care who, what, if the name was really Street, you know, and the city and places and what the landscape looked like because you can make it up as you go because it's make-believe. But we're dealing with Earth, right? you know, which people already know. So when I say that he went to this university, is there really a university? Is he talking about this? Does this really happen? So there's several things in there where he uh, tries to figure out and he comes across. And so I have references to places here, really in New York City and here in Phoenix, Arizona, because he does come. He first arrives like back east and around New York and New Jersey, and that's where he spends most of his time. Then he comes out here to Phoenix, Arizona, and so out here to Phoenix, Arizona, he's out here and he visits, you know, several of the museums, the Science Center, and the Phoenix Comic Con, and he does that. So I made sure that the streets and everything like that, very, yeah. you know. You know things that I'm not used to doing, and uh, so I did that. And then I also, like I said, I also have references such as when he goes to an observatory to look at the stars to figure out where he's at. Because when he's looking at the stars at night, he goes, "None of these stars look. I don't recognize any of them." So he goes in there, and he realizes where he's from. And then I also have this little article that talks about uh, a planet that could be Earth, you know, uh, what they call a Goldilocks planet that has three suns. And that's something that the scientists have just discovered last year. So I took yeah. that article and put it in my story. Reference oh, very it, not the whole cool. article. Yeah, not, yeah, not right. the whole article because it was a long article, just a little snippet of it. And so then I referenced to it so that way anyone who wanted to know about it, they could do it. And um, so that's that's kind of what I did, you know. And I've got several little, you know, plugs in there, you know. Oh, wow. So, this, so, yeah. so um, you know, it, it, I, I was, you had said something that you had – um, you, when you're writing fantasy, your your setting can be pretty much whatever you determine. It's got to, you know, be plausible and it's got to be, it's got to be tangible and it, you you've got to be able to actually picture it. But it doesn't have to be earthly or resemble Earth whatsoever. Um, I have a girlfriend who is writing a story. Oh gosh, I just love this idea. She's set so that Earth has been is being and or is been destroyed and so um uh every every human being that was on earth is now living in pods in the um in orbit <laughs> so anyway so they're basically looking at earth which is really cool i mean I, you, you get, I would i have a whole bunch of things that fly around in my head whenever i think about this her setting which is really awesome but you said like you said um on earth it has to resemble Earth. It has to feel like, oh, this is a real place where I have maybe been or maybe you have heard about or whatever. How was it to change, to make that change? Because I know that you do fantasy uh, mostly. How, was it, did you enjoy it? Was it difficult? It was, it was interesting. You know, to give you an example, when Shamud wakes up, he's in the hospital. And he's listening to the voices, and, of course, he doesn't understand the words at first. 
but because of the way he was raised and everything like that, it's really quick for his brain to assimilate the language. And so he does it. And one of the first things they ask him is his name. And he says it. And yeah. the one of you know, one of the people there goes, You don't look Arab because if you know, when you when you read my stories, the the word Shamid is Arabic. And um that's Oh, that, that that person yeah. knew right away is kind yeah. of telling too. That's kind of fun. Yeah. So so and you per- did you yeah. did you find it difficult to to write um what what I, it's like a new well, I shouldn't say new it's like truth in fiction the truth of the matter the facts of the setting did you find that difficult or was that just something that was like no worries yeah well it, at first I was kind of worried about it you know trying to do it but I've written another story called uh, the flight of the nightingale which is a steampunk novelette and it deals in the West and everything like that, and steampunk fairies. So I had to do a lot of research on that. So when I went to this, I was like, okay, so I've already done a lot of research on another story. This one isn't going to be so hard. I already know what I, this is what I'm talking about. So going out to the Internet and finding it, okay, I found it. Now I can reference it, you know. And, I mean, it's uh, it was it was a little, at first I was a little worried about it, but as I started doing it, flowed and everything you know came through and it was it was very enjoyable i enjoyed it and it was, you know i had fun writing it i always have fun writing and that's yeah. the main reason why i write is i enjoy writing if i never had any of my stories published and people read them it would be sad but at least i would have them all and someone ever found my stories, they'd look at it and go, wow, why didn't someone ever write these, you know, and publish them? But I do it on a, you know, strictly for enjoyment. You know, if people read my stories, that's great. You know, I hope that everyone enjoys them, and, you know, it's, that's all I do. Well, it sounds like you've got a a great following and that your fans are very loyal and they love your work, so... Um, you know, I was uh, I, the reason I'm asking about that. You know, writing setting in the in a, a a real world that we see and are familiar with versus as human beings versus fantasy world and or otherworldly setting. Um, I've just taken, I've just completed a certificated course, and I know that you know about this course for, through Wesleyan University. It's a Coursera.org course. It's an online totally online course and you get your certificate in creative writing it's a fabulous course um and much of the course deals with tangible sensuous they call it sensuous setting so they um they they want you to be pull out the very important uh tangible items of setting and make that um make that you know come to life and make um not not just that it's you know there's a brick and it's got this color but there's some attitude with it through the character's eyes and all of that so um that's why I'm asking because they really they really focus on that I thought they focused on that a lot they focus of course on plot and character and setting and then style which is you know they call it style I call it voice um but I felt like they really nailed setting and character um 
because they work hand in hand, I think all of them, of course, all of the elements of plot, style, uh, setting, and um, character all work hand in hand, of course, but they really nailed that. And we were constantly um, having to focus on what the character's saying and why is it there? Why is it important to the story? Is it relevant to the story? So uh, that's kind of why I wanted to ask that question. Um, yeah. Well, it's, uh, I, it's on that note, there, there's, a, there's a part in the story where Shamit leaves the hospital and he's in a car. And, of course, he gets in the car and they start it and he looks at the person who's driving and says, I thought you guys didn't believe in magic. And he said, this isn't magic, <laughs> this is a car. And he goes, uh, okay. And he goes, I've been in a, in, a, in a vehicle where they've got a beast trapped in it and a demon in it and that's what makes it. And he goes, so what kind of a demon do you have in here? And the person goes, it runs on gas. And he goes, oh, so your demon's called gas. Oh, wow. No, just ignore it. So he goes, okay. Well, then he notices this little button on the door, and he's playing with the window, making it go up and down, up and down, and he's doing that. (laughs) Because he finds, you know, it's like this is rather interesting, you know. And uh, finally the driver locks the window so he can't do it anymore. And he goes, you know, all you had to do is just tell me to stop doing that, and I wouldn't have done it anymore if it was bothering you, you know. And so I, you know, I, I did this little thing, so and you, you know, it was like a little child playing. So you've got with the some window, humor you know. in it, right? You're, you're. It's not just well, this. It, it is epic fantasy, but you've got a lot of, you know, uh, traits of Shabin that are um, um, just funny. I mean, flat out funny. Yes, and when you're dealing with Shamud, he his whenever he does something funny, it's funny to everybody around him, and he's like looking at him, going, "I don't see the humor in this." You know, it's like right. this. You know, it's like, "Why are you laughing?" You know, like that. Yeah. And because he's very straightforward and matter of fact, so when he does something that everyone else finds funny, he's you know confused. You know, it's yeah. and here on Earth, it makes him look like you know. You know, the guy is really smart. You know, they can see that he can do all these things and he builds all these things. They test him, you know, psychologically and physically because that's who he ends up working with mostly is two doctors and a couple of scientists. And they're, they're working with him. They're testing his physical ability, his mental ability and everything like that. And they go, you know, the guy's a genius. You know, he, yeah. he he looks at a book and he can tell you from page to page and, you know, they're just astounded. But he is a child when it comes to everything that we take for granted. You know, like he won't use a phone because he just says, no, he says, I don't deal with demons. You know, and they're going, it's not a demon. He goes, it's, it's a so demon. Fun. He goes, yeah. And, then and all, it is then a all demon. <laughs> yeah, and and all through the and all through the story, you know, he talks about the processed food that humans eat, and he goes, he goes, you know, this stuff's killing you, right? And they're like, well, it's the only way to. Pay. And he goes, no, this stuff is bad for you, you know. And so, you know, it's there's a lot of little humor and a lot of you know, a lot of things to make people think and stuff. So yeah, it's and like you said, there's a lot of things in there where like the course that you took little things that's a background and you emphasize it and bring it up to the front where everybody can, you know, see and read it and you go, wow, I would have never, you know, thought about that. It's it's kind of like 
what we take for granted here, if we took a car or a cell phone or anything like that and went back a hundred years, people yeah. would just think, oh my God, that's magic. What is this? They would just be fascinated with it. And that's the way you have to describe it. And you have to make sure that the people understand what one person takes for granted and the person who's never seen it. You have to describe it to a point where how can they understand it, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been fun. This is, uh, um, again, I'm talking with T.J. Boyer, my (laughs) brother-in-law. And uh, he's a sci-fi fantasy uh, author with, um, and you've, uh, Missing, it's going to either be called Missing or Vanished, one of the two. It will be out in just a couple of months, just within the next couple of months. And then you will be at Comic-Con, and you can find TJ's uh, books at MirrorGateChronicle.com. You can find TJ on Facebook, and um, uh, all of his books are available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all the major online uh, book distributors. Thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. This is wonderful. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Again, everybody, that was T.J. Boyer. He is my (laughs) brother-in-law. He's married to my sister, and uh, Elizabeth, and she is an amazing editor um, in her own right. Um, And anybody that wants to uh, contact my sister, just give me a jingle. You can uh, contact me on Facebook or through Blog Talk Radio or on my website at susanwingate.com. You can uh, fill out the contact form. And um, or just send me an email. Hey, it's easy as that. And uh, um, you can find my books at susanwingate.com. Again, every day I have a free book available at my um, website that's under books. And so go to my uh, book page and you'll see free books listed right there in the front. So um, again, everybody, it's so great to have T.J. Boyer on the show Find his books on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and you can find him on Facebook and uh, MirrorGateChronicle.com. And next week we have another great great guest. I'm looking forward to next week, too. I'll let you know that in just a little bit. But until then, take care. Have a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>